Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Laura Scher. Uh, as we dig into our, today's topic, I'm going to ask you a couple questions just to get your mind going, to get you thinking. First question is this. Uh, are there certain situations or people that cause you to be immediately defensive or super irritable? Don't answer out loud. Thinking, thinking. The defenses that rise up, the irritation, just immediate. Second question. Do you notice that your self-talk is really awful and you can't stop it? Or are there behaviors in your life that you can't stop that are destructive, the overeating, the overshopping, that sexually acting out? Last question, do you have bouts of emotional pain that you can't explain, like depression, anxiety, anger, outburst? I'm guessing that all of us can answer yes to at least one of these questions, and here's why I'm asking. The things that I'm describing here could be symptoms of unhealed wounds in our life where the pain of our past is still causing us pain in our present today. And we all have them. From the everyday normal bumps and bruises of human existence, all the way to the truly ungodly acts of evil and abuse that might have been done to you. We all have unhealed wounds of the past that are often causing us pain in our present. And so we're in this series called Thrive, Unleashing the Soul, asking the question, what does a healthy soul look like? Deepening, growing, alive, and what are the things that get in the way of that? Things that would cause what we might call FTT or failure to thrive. Now, conventional wisdom tells us that when we sustain a physical injury, We kind of know what to do about it. We find a professional who can help us. When a bone is broken, the doctor sets it. A bad burn, we need advice on how it can properly heal. A deep cut gets stitches. We know what happens when our physical injuries go unaddressed and we don't just hope that the broken bone heals itself. But what about our emotional wounds? What happens when they go untreated? Often they do because we don't know what to do or who to go to. They, get, they don't get addressed, so they get suppressed. Here's what one author, Richard War, says. If we cannot find a way to make our wounds into sacred wounds, we, are invariably, we invariably become cynical, negative, or bitter. If we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it usually to those closest to us, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, and invariably the most vulnerable, our children. If we do not transform our pain, we will share it with others or transmit it. I wanna think back in this series to two weeks ago, Rob Basham talked to us about family sin patterns. Can you see the connection here? How family sin patterns get started and passed on, when there is unaddressed, unhealed pain, we invariably share it even with our kids, right? And so, as Rob said two weeks ago, 
We get to go back in order to go forward. We get to go back to the pain of our past so that we can go forward and thrive. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And as we do, I wanna look at three biblical principles that can help us to understand why we would go back and how we might invite God's healing into those places. The first biblical principle comes from a story. And the story is found in Genesis 16. You don't need to turn there. I'm just gonna talk about the story a bit and then I'll put some scripture on screen. Here's how it goes. Abraham and Sarah, they have been promised by God that they would have many descendants. Abraham, you will be the father of nations. And yet they have a very real problem. Sarah can't have kids. They have tried. And so she comes up with a solution. I'll give my slave girl, Hagar, to Abraham. She will have a child for us. As you can imagine, this arrangement causes some tension in the home between the two women. So much tension that Hagar ends up running away. And we read in the text that the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness. Notice that phrase, the angel found her. And we know that they had a conversation, a conversation in which she received comfort, guidance, and a promise. And here's how she responded. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. Our first biblical principle today that I want you to hear is that one of God's names is El Roy, the Hebrew word that she spoke to God. You are the God who sees me, El Roy. You came after me in the wilderness in my moment of pain and you see me and what I'm going through. Here's another verse about what God sees. And this is actually God speaking about himself through the prophet Jeremiah. Am I a God who is only close at hand? No, I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? I see everything. Can anyone hide? I am close to you and I am so far away that I see it all in all places at all times. What I want us to notice in these two passages are two theological concepts. They're called omnipresence and imminence. Here's what they mean. Omnipresent, God is everywhere present with his whole being at all times. And imminent, God is present and actively participating. Can you see those two concepts in these passages? Jeremiah 23, again, can anyone hide from me? I am everywhere in all the heavens and the earth. That is his omnipresence. And then his imminence that he would find Hagar and be with her and speak personally to the events, the painful events of her life. Here's why I want us to see these two principles. As we consider, might we go back to the pain of our past so that we can fo go forward and thrive? If we're gonna do that, we've got to know that we don't go alone. God is with us in all times, all places. He was there when those things happened. He saw them 
close up and he saw them far away. He knows exactly what happened better than we do. So as we decide, I, I think I need to go back. I need to address this unhealed wound of the past. Know that you don't go alone. El Roy goes with you. Another thing that's helpful for us to know about the pain of our past is to understand the origins of it and then why is it still sticking to me? Why is it sticking around? I can't get away from it. So here's biblical principle number two. The enemy of your soul is a thief and a liar. It is his mission to kill, steal, and destroy. And here's how the enemy operates. In your moments of pain, vulnerability, fear, embarrassment, he swoops in. These are the best opportunities for him to speak to you the lies that he would want you to hear. The lies that, that cause the FTT in your soul so that you will not thrive. That is his mission. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say workaholic parent. Maybe that was your experience. Parent who maybe took good care of you but wasn't very present. We might write that off as no big deal. They took good care of me. Enemy can see that as opportunity to begin to whisper some lies that might sound like this. You are not worth their time and attention. You are unseen. And the enemy will go so far as to take these lies and help us to project them onto God. God doesn't see you. You're not worth God's attention. He is too busy for you. The enemy capitalizing on our moments and seasons of pain to lie to us. Another example, let's take the bully on the playground in grade school. Once again, we might write it off as, that happens to lots of people. It was just a brief moment in my history. No big deal. The enemy sees an opportunity to take a brief moment in time and maybe make it a defining moment for you that you're either aware of or unaware of. Speaking lies like, yeah, you are weak, you are defenseless, you are unliked, or toughen up, suck it up. These are the schemes of the enemy, capitalizing on our moments of pain to lie to us. Now, I wanna pause for just a moment here and talk to the men and the boys in the room. And I know I'm not a man, but I live with one. I raised one, I grew up with a couple, and I have some observations to make here. I mentioned the, um, the lie of suck it up, toughen up. Men, I think you have had to carry this lie more than us women have because we speak it to you all the time. So society tells you, actually tells you to stuff your pain, suppress it, get stronger, move on, don't look back, real men don't cry. I don't think that's a place where your soul gets to thrive. And I wanna just share from my own experience, and my husband gave me permission. Um, if you've met my husband, you know, he's big and tough and strong. He's one of the biggest, toughest, strongest, coolest guys I know. I'm a little biased, but. And he would admit that he has lived under this mantra, suck it up. <laughs> he's lived it and breathed it and spoken it. And in recent years, he's begun to realize that there are symptoms of pain in his life that he doesn't want to live with anymore. So he's begun to do the hard work of going back so that he can thrive. And as his wife, I'll tell you, I've never been more proud 
and he is cooler and stronger than he's ever been. And I get to watch my husband thrive. And so do my kids who are 20 and 22. They're watching their father go back, talk about pain and move forward and heal in a way they never has before. So men, I say, let's, let's cut that lie off. It's not a place of thriving. You don't just have to suck it up. Both men and women, Jesus said this in John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So third biblical principle that I want us to hear together today is this. Jesus transforms our pain. It is God's mission to comfort, to free, to heal, and to make whole. One of my favorite passages in the Gospels about Christ is in Luke chapter four. It's at the beginning of his ministry life. He comes to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he is handed, handed the scroll of Isaiah to read aloud. He finds the passage he wants to read and it's known as what we would call Isaiah 61. He reads out loud for all to hear. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He rolls up the scroll, hands it back, sits down. All eyes are on him. And he says, in your presence today, this has been fulfilled. This is me. This is what I've come to do, to heal the broken hearts, to free the captives. And that's what he did over and over again. Each life that he encountered, each person, he brought something back to life in them. With a touch, with a word, with his presence, he healed a place of FTT, because that's who he is. We remembered tonight, today, this morning, right? <laughs> we remembered this morning his death as well. We came forward, we sang about his broken body, and in his death is provision for our healing and for our wholeness. This is Isaiah 53. It was our weaknesses he carried, our sorrows that weighed him down. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus transforms our pain, it's his mission. Author Rob Reamer puts it this way. It is important for us to believe that God can redeem the pain in our life. Not that God sent it, but that God can redeem it. He turns the arrows of the enemy meant to destroy us into the scalpels of the great physician meant to heal. So where do we go with our emotional pain that has been unaddressed or unhealed? We have a great physician. Now the question is, how? How do we go to him? How do we invite him to do his work? And I have a couple of thoughts on that this morning. The first one is we get to do the work the soul work, the work of self-awareness. I mentioned symptoms at the beginning. What if we're really unaware of all those symptoms, that we're just really used to living this way? My defenses, my irritability, my destructive behaviors. I think part of the work is us 
beginning to notice, ah, these could be symptoms of unhealed pain and maybe I don't have to live this way. So we get to ask ourselves regular and honest questions like, huh, is there a pattern? I'm most tempted to overeat and to my sexual addiction when, and I fill in the blank. My self-talk, these mean things that I say to myself, did somebody else say them to me at some point in my history? These defenses, irritabilities, what is it that keeps triggering me? I'm gonna look back and see where that comes from. Or could my struggle with depression be linked to a childhood wound that I haven't looked at? The work of self-awareness, we get to do that um, in prayer, in reflection with those close to us. And then we get to bring our symptoms to the great physician. Just like when we go to the doctor's office, we don't necessarily know what's causing the headache, the pain, the stomach ache. That's why we go to the doctor. And so we bring him our symptoms and say, now the spirit work is yours. You do what only you can do. Today I wanna teach us a prayer practice that helps us to do this. It's a practice that takes four steps and I'm gonna have the steps on the screen behind me and Maybe take notes or take pictures and they'll be on Facebook because this is a practice you'll want to take with you. It takes some time and intentionality. Um, and I'm going to walk through the steps and then I'm going to just share a little bit of my own experience as well. So step number one is we bring the, the great physician our symptoms. We get to ask God to help reveal the origins of the wounding. A question like, Jesus, would you take me back to where all this began? Some of us know where it began. Some of us don't. We just know the symptoms. And I would say, even though we might know where it began, God knows even better. And he can bring a memory to mind that's going to help us process our pain. I've learned when praying like this to just trust. As I quiet myself and I listen, God, what are the origins of my pain? And the first memory that comes to mind, I just... Keep that memory and pay attention to it. Here's an example from my own life. So last week, uh, I, was, I was on vacation, but I was still experiencing some symptoms. I noticed one day just this um, anxiety, low-level anxiety kind of in my stomach and my chest. I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then another symptom I noticed was some resentments that I'm really struggling to let go of. So I thought, okay, I'm going to use this prayer practice. I'm going to ask, okay, God, what are the origins of these symptoms. I don't know where they come from. And the first memory that came to mind didn't actually make sense to me at all because it wasn't a painful memory. So I'm, I did the quick like, are you sure? Come on. And okay, I'm going to trust this. The memory was of um, my childhood home in our living room, the piano, where I spent many hours practicing. It's like, that's a good space for me, a good memory. Okay, I'm going to go with it. So I just wait on Jesus, listen for the memory. This is what we do in this step. Second step. Then we get to ask God to communicate with you about his presence in that memory. This is why we talked about his omnipresence and his imminence. Because in every moment, in every memory, he was there and he is there as we go back to it and process it. So God, would you show me your presence? Give me a picture of you there. 
And oftentimes when we ask this question, we'll get a picture in that memory of maybe Father God just standing behind us, loving us and protecting us. Or the one who's closer than a brother, just seated next to us. Or Jesus in the crowd, seeing and hearing everything. He's there. Give me a picture of your presence. And what were you doing when the wounding event took place? How were you feeling when it happened? This is a really important question because then we get to look into God's face and see what he was feeling when we were experiencing pain. And here's often what we'll see. We'll see compassion. We'll see how much he loves us, how much he's with us. Sometimes we'll see sorrow. He's sharing our pain. And some of you need to know that when you ask God to show his presence to you in the really deep wounds of your life, you might see his anger too his righteous anger. Because when evil things were done to some of you, you need to know God was not okay. And he gets angry at the pain that you have sustained. So we look into his face and we say, God, how are you feeling? So I'm seated on the piano bench. I go, God, would you show me your presence in this memory? And I just see Jesus come right next to me and sit down at the piano. Step number three, ask God to communicate with you about what you came to believe. This goes back to the fact that the enemy loves to lie to us in these situations. And God knows better, even better than we do, what the lies are. Sometimes we don't even recognize them. We're so used to them. The God's too busy for you, the I'm unseen, or the I deserved it, I should have done something to stop this. What are the lies that I came to believe? And I'm gonna ask you, God, because you're smarter than I am, and you were there, and you know. And then I get, we just get a pause and wait and listen again. Let him prompt our thoughts and show us things. So I'm sitting here next to Jesus. Okay, God, I still don't understand why you brought this memory to mind. Are there some lies that I came to believe here? And as I ask this question, I just sit and wait, begin to reflect on the hours of practice at the piano, the hours where I wanted to perfect things, the hours where I wanted to play that song again because it could be better, it could be better, it could be more. I went, oh, I think I'm starting to get it. Because go all the way back to our identity theft series, guess what my core identity lie is? Performance, okay? And so God's just giving me a window into how and where I've absorbed that. Now here's the disclaimer. My parents didn't throw me in that room and say, don't come out until it's perfect. No, I did this to myself. I actually liked it. And it's actually how you should practice a piano. I was a piano teacher, come on. And yet, the bumps and bruises of ordinary human existence. I have absorbed a lie that I'm only valuable when I get things done and I do them really well and there's always more. Keep pushing. And I needed God to remind me that I'm living under that lie and the symptoms are sometimes anxiety. Oh, you are smart. You do know what you're doing. Thank you. What was the lie that I came to believe about you, God, or about me? And the fourth step, you can probably guess. Then we get to ask God to speak his 
truth. Jesus, what do you want to say to me about who you really are, about who I really am? We get to wait once again and listen for the voice of truth and the voice of love. I see you. You are worth my time. It was not your fault. You don't have to suck it up, push through the pain. Wait for his voice of love to speak his truth. This is a prayer practice that we can use for the everyday bumps of life all the way to the deep, deep cuts. We get to use this in our times of reflection and quiet with God and in community with others that we trust, even guiding each other through this prayer process. I get to serve here at church with a team that's called the Healing Prayer Team. And we do this very kind of prayer with people. We make appointments with people who have come our way and are experiencing pain in their life and want God to heal it. And so often we will use these four steps to pray with someone and listen with them. And I asked one of the women who came to us for prayer to share her testimony. And so she courageously wrote this for us to share today. Her name's Jerry. To say I struggled with low self-worth and my own value would be a gross understatement. As a young girl, I endured a great deal of sexual trauma and abuse that was perpetuated throughout my childhood and into my early years as an adult. Those experiences caused deep pain and insecurities that shaped my identity and later led to a pattern of destructive behaviors. Even though I attended church and accepted Christ in grade school, I still believed there was something bad about me, and I couldn't imagine that God or others could see anything different than what I saw. Thankfully, I was blessed with a wise mentor, and she could see that I needed some serious inner healing in this area. After many attempts to convince me to call and ask about healing prayer, she literally pushed me into Laura before church and made me tell her I needed an appointment. What I learned through the time with my healing prayer team was that I had adopted an identity that wasn't consistent with how God saw me. It was through prayer that God exposed my faulty beliefs. One of the women who was listening and praying with me asked me to renounce my old false identity and ask God to give me a new name. As I sat there praying and listening, I instantly heard the words pure in heart. I immediately pushed them away, trying intently to listen to what God was saying to me. Again, I heard those same words, and again, I pushed them away. I heard them over and over until I could no longer quiet the voice. God revealed that he wasn't giving me a new identity. He was healing my brokenness and showing me the very identity he created in me at birth. He was reminding me that this is who I had always been and asking me to live as if I believed it. He was restoring me. For me, this has been life-altering, and since that experience, the way I think has completely changed. God has shown me that even though I can't go back and change what has happened, I don't have to carry the weight of it into my future. El Royi, the God who sees you, the one whose mission it is to comfort, to free, to heal, and make whole. This is our God, the great physician. So today as we close, Natalie and the team are gonna come out and we're gonna sing this song, um, the words, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. 
And before we do, I'd love to lead us through these prayer steps. We don't, it, it takes much more time than what we have here, but let's at least get the conversation started. And you can go away and continue that conversation with God, but I'd love to lead us through a time of prayer. So would you pray with me? So God, the God who sees us, um, would you help us to see the symptoms of unhealed pain in our lives? Would you shed light on those for us as we pause and we listen to you? And as we bring our symptoms to you, our great physician, would you begin to show us the origin of these wounds? Would you bring in your wisdom and your gentleness memories to mind that you would like us to go back to with you? Bring it to mind this morning, tomorrow, later this week. Omnipresent, imminent God, would you show us your presence in these memories? Would you give us a picture of who you are with us so we can look into your face and see how you feel? You know the lies that have been spoken into our lives. And so, once again, shed your light. What are the lies that I've come to believe that are not true about me or about you? Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. So we ask for your truth. We hold our hearts out to you and say, speak what is true. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.